0: My message is to push back against anyone who tells you that this was a hoax, that tells you not to believe what your eyes are showing you and to not believe the professionals who've been trained and practicing in this for decades. And my last message is to call out any cancers in our community that are still pushing conspiracy theories because it's time for us to take back these platforms and to be educated By the real leaders and not just the talking heads on social media. You can go outside and have a good time, play around and see what happens when you get measured for a pine box and you're six feet under. It's time to use our brain and make sure that we protect ourselves so we get to get old. Because my father always said that everybody can be young, but only the wise live to get old. You pick this day which one you're going to be, 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 which one you going to be. Welcome to Wild wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride right with us on this all-black everything.
2: Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black.
1: Welcome back, people.
2: What you don't know is this is our third time starting this recording over, <laughs> but you got to put that on COVID. COVID got us at the house trying to do some new shit to bring you all this dope information that you need. All right, what's going got on with you, brother?
1: Look, bro, COVID got us being real innovative right now, playing with all type of amazing technology. But look, Right. I'm, I'm not trapped in the closet, but the soundproof room that I have is, is pretty dope. I see all my clothes, all my shoes, but it's it's it sounds hopefully very good. How about hey, you, bro?
2: You sound good to me right now, brother. Voice right, <laughs> sounding like Barry's little brother, Junior. <laughs> now, I'm I'm good, man. I'm I'm in a little fort in my basement beside my couch. My five-year-old self would be so proud of me. I got right. these big-ass pillows from the couch leaning up against me. I'm ready. Like right. four, we, we, four skills on 10.
1: On 10. Yeah, we, we reverted back. We, 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 we channeled our inner, um, you know, childhood skills, but that's, that's, you know, that's required sometimes.
2: 100%, 100%. But we do anything we can to make sure we get these people, the wild black family, this information they need. And today is a topic you definitely need to hear more about. We're talking COVID again, but not COVID from the standpoint of what you need to know to avoid it not what you need to know to keep up with how to protect yourself, not what the media is talking about. Today, we're talking about COVID-19 and the effect it's having on the black community. We're talking yeah. real numbers. We're talking to someone who is on the ground, front lines, truly trying to get this message out and make sure that people understand what this impact really looks like. All right, before we jump in, brother, what, uh, what are your thoughts on COVID and how it's really impacting black people on a daily basis right now?
1: Like I told you before, COVID, COVID-19 is a hoax. Um, it's not real. I'm so joking. People yeah, do believe that. He COVID nineteen is a serious threat to us as as humanity, and and primarily to African Americans. And and I think it's a lot of factors. And I think it's probably one of the, the most serious topics of 2020. Yeah, that everybody um, needs to be really, really in tune with, and not went in tune with all of the crazy narrative and the crazy rhetoric from from you know the damn president and the governors. Uh, that's not in in, in a lot of democratic states, but just just try to get the numbers and get the data for yourself and get you some perspective and do a little research. But it's serious. It's not a game.
2: No doubt, no doubt. Well, Wild Black family, we've got a a dope guest for you today. I know he's dope because this is his second time on the show. He is our second guest to come back and speak to you all again on Wild Black. So I want to introduce back to you, back to the mic, back to the family, Attorney Gerald Griggs. Brother, welcome to Wild Black again, man.
0: Hey, brothers, what's going on? It's great to be back on Wild Black, man. I, I just love the, the, the platform and the conversation, and it's an honor to be back.
2: Yeah, we are honored to have you back. Brother, Absolutely. do do us a, a quick favor, if you wouldn't mind, and just reintroduce yourself to the people. Let them know who you are, what you're about, and why you're here.
0: Okay. I'm Attorney Gerald Griggs. I'm the vice president of the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP and the former third vice president of the state conference of the NAACP. Uh, I'm a criminal defense attorney and civil rights attorney. And I'm also a social justice and civil rights activist. Um, So basically, I'm a troublemaker. Um, (laughs) I call things as they are. (laughs) I speak truth to power. And when we're not in a global pandemic, I lead demonstrations.
2: That's it. That's it. And folks, he's not playing with you all. He's a troublemaker, but he's making trouble for us so much so that right now his Twitter is shut down. Tell him a little bit about that, brother. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, about 3 weeks ago when we really started fully understanding the scope of COVID-19, I started speaking truth to power uh to an elected official who uh didn't fully understand the global pandemic that we were in and that's one Brian Kemp. And so, I've been releasing videos every single day, twice a day on the data for COVID uh 19. And so, a couple times I put the the videos under his Twitter feed so that the people who were <laughs> Listening to him could listen to the facts. And so, you know, about three weeks ago or so, about actually two and a half weeks ago, uh, I got banned on Twitter um, because I guess they thought that was the wrong thing to do to, you know, check an elected official on a public (laughs) platform in real time. And so I've been suspended for about two and a half, almost three weeks uh, from Twitter. And it seems as though after I started and got banned for dragging him, the world is now dragging him. And I'm appreciative of the rest of the world fact checking him in real time, just like the president of the United States just did.
2: Well, I am glad that people are checking him because I swear it seems like he's on a personal mission to hold black folks down in any way he can. From suppressor in chief to now the deliverer of COVID is what it feels like to me now. (laughs) Opening barbershops, nails, the places we go. The only thing he didn't say is he was opening this old food restaurant. He's, He's targeting
0: yeah, if he had said he's opening the soul food restaurants and the clubs, <laughs> uh, I would have went directly to his house outside yeah. with masks on and a full, you know, that full um, uh, uh, gear that they wear and just been right. outside with a, with, a, with a sign. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, you've
2: been here before, so you know how we do it. We're going to do it again. We got to jump into our wild black shit. We got to get the people what they want, get a little laugh, have a little fun, and then talk a little business. Art, right, brother, you want to hit them with it?
1: Let's do it, let's do it, man! But you know what? We only got one warm, warm, brother Griggs up, man. He he, he nah, pretty he, much he on it. But but we don't. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's jump into it. What you think, bro? Is a, the better show of the Wire or Power? Wow. Um, well, since you know we just kind of finished Power,
0: I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Power. But that, that was a tough call there because both of those are are just exceptional shows for the culture. So, but I'm gonna go with Power.
2: So here's my admission. And the reason I brought this question <laughs> up is because I just, and I do mean just, started watching The Wire yesterday. First time ever. Wow. start I'm like halfway through episode one, season one right now. <laughs> I've been getting dragged on Facebook since I made that post. I let people know I was just starting, and they have been dragging me to death.
1: Wow. You, you, you should be dragged to death for that one, bro. You, you just <laughs> now seen The Wire. The Wire is... Is almost, it's almost—it's almost a classic.
2: Now, real talk—I got fired from my own show. I got fired from Wild Black two or three times yesterday.
0: <laughs> wow! Well, I mean, it's, it's hey. certain shows that you just have to have watched. I mean, The Wire is one of them. Oz—you know—it's a lot of shows that you just have to have watched in real time. Mm-hmm. Oz, I'm good on. At a, BC, a
2: beast. <laughs> the Wire—I uh, got to get there. I'm working on it. Though. It's happening? It's happening. So, what,
1: what, what season and episode you want, bro?
2: Literally, one and one. Oh. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm like four, I still see uh, Skinny oh. Idris Elba. I'm like 18 minutes into season one,
1: into oh, yeah. episode you, one. Okay, so, so for the simple fact, in the sake of saving your black card, I'm going to have to go with the wire for my selection on that one. Just for that, <laughs> that one simple fact. <laughs> is I, I got to, and matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to re-watch it with you because it's, it's really that good. <laughs> well,
2: look, let me make it worse. Ooh. Power. I've only seen seasons one and two. That's it.
1: Wow. Hey, <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't watch the last season for some reason. I don't know what happened. I just couldn't get into it no more. Right. It was taking too much time, I think. Let's jump into the second question. What has been your favorite IG battle, concert, moment, <laughs> or, or resultant meme since we've been on this crazy COVID quarantine?
0: I mean, you got to go with the last one, Babyface and Teddy Riley. I mean, it took two nights and (laughs) seeing two legends uh, look like they were folks granddaddies trying to figure out how to make IG Live work. So I'm glad they finally sort of got it together. But I had to sneak into the last battle because, you know, it froze on the app. So I had to go through the laptop to get back in. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely Teddy Riley and Babyface.
2: Black people are so creative. Dude, the, the battle was still happening. And the memes were running like crazy. The memes, the, the skits. Uh, What's my man's name? Spice Adams. Uh, boy, he is yes. killing them. <laughs> killing them. yeah, killing him. Now, and now He's I hate, super creative, I hate to, too. He is. I hate to even say this, but quietly, the funniest one I've seen, and it almost hurts my heart. Have you all seen the one where they take the scene from a movie featuring Hitler and they overlay a conversation about Teddy
1: Riley and Babyface? Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> okay. bro, I seen it when you, when, you, when you DM'd it to me. And, and I almost died. If you went on a road
0: trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada da At participating McDonald's.
2: When Hitler says not one rump was shaken," I lost it. The Wild Black, I'm, I'm going to post that one to IG so you can check it out.
1: It's a funny one. That's the that's the Alpha Cat dude. Uh he do a lot of impersonations of of Obama too. That dude, he's he's hilariously creative too. Man, I think, you know, my favorite one though was, what is it? Who who was T Pain and, and Lil John? No, Lil John, the battle. Yeah. yeah I like that, that one, man. That was that was my joint. There. I just can't get it. I'm not a you know, wild black family, y'all know I'm not I'm not a big R B guy, so the baby face, and I watched that for a little bit and, and and let my wife take take over take the rail. She she took the wheel and, and enjoyed that. I was kinda like, no, I'm straight.
2: I'm with I'm with Griggs. This is babyface and Teddy non operating Instagram to Mike having double e- double echo Riley. That's that's it for What me.
1: about what
0: about the hype man? What about the hype man? Oh, he was I mean, dancing he was dancing hard He now. was getting it.
1: And no, couldn't nobody even hear the audio. Nope. <laughs> cool, cool. He had, cool. A, mm-hmm. he had a
0: flat screen behind him. He had a whole production, and it was Corona <laughs> running all through the studio. What way? People, no social distancing at all.
1: Right, right. Babyface sitting there with his with his camera phone and, and just you know some wine, and he he was just waiting like, okay, well, what we gonna do next? Sometimes you know you so you've been in the game for so long that you you. Expose yourself as a dinosaur to technology, or you try to do too much, which, which, you know, Teddy Riley always, he, he, that's how, that's his creative gene. though. he had to try to do too much. Now, you know, we got this signature question, our last, our, our big signature question that we always ask all our guests, and you killed it with your last response. So let's see, let's see how you can either add to it or change it up, or even maybe give us something that is, that is, you know, something that you love about us. Um, or or life while black during this whole COVID nineteen situation that we in. Oh man,
0: uh the creativity of folks making their own masks. Um, the mask, whether it's the bandanas or I saw somebody wearing a stocking cap, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Somebody <laughs> had an oven mitt on. It was just it was just really bad. And so, I mean. Considering the fact that I had to remind the governor here in the state of Georgia that it was illegal to wear a facial covering and had him to actually suspend the law. And then to see the creativity of our African-American brothers and sisters in coming up with facial coverings. I mean, that's just I mean, when 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 I say black folks will come out and make anything look either really cool or really dumb, uh, that's really what's been going on. So, yeah, the facial coverings.
2: For us, where there is a will, there's a way. When There's a need, there's a way. When there's a laugh, there's a way. We're going to make it happen.
0: I saw on Instagram, uh, you know, the the mini pad. The mini pad. Now, it wasn't a black person that had this on, but I'm just saying (laughs) had a mini pad (laughs) over their face. So, I mean, yeah, I've seen some things.
2: All right, cool. So we'll jump into this dope quote. And today, to align better to the topic, and, you know, we do this from time to time, I don't have a quote. I have an excerpt from an article that I'll read. This article is titled, COVID-19 has infected and killing Black people at alarming rates. This data proves it. So I'll read a little bit from the article itself. Citing disparities in disease rates and outcomes between Black and white Americans, Clyde Yancey, Chief of Cardiology at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine, calls this, A Moment of Ethical Reckoning. In an editorial in the Journal of American Medical Association, he points out that infection rates were three times higher in counties with mostly black people than in predominantly white counties. What's more, predominantly black counties saw a six-fold higher death rate than mostly white counties. Quote, a six-fold increase in the rate of death for African Americans due to a now ubiquitous virus, should be deemed unconscionable, Yancey writes. The scourge of COVID-19 will end, but health care disparities will not. They will persist. Then he goes on to add a context as to why the disparities exist in the first place. And I'll paraphrase these a little bit for time. We suffer disproportionately from underlying health issues such as asthma and heart disease. We, as in Black folks, are more likely to work jobs that are considered essential. Grocers, fast food workers, transit workers, postal workers, things like that. And then from a geographic standpoint, in the North, we tend to live in highly dense, segregated cities where disease can spread easily. And in the South, we live in states that did not expand expand Medicaid, leaving many of us uninsured. To add data to that last point, six of the 10 most vulnerable states according to this COVID-19 Vulnerability Index, are located in the South. And in Mississippi, where we make up about 32% of the population, we also represent about 66% of the COVID-19 deaths. So all in all, we are catching the brunt of this disease that, oddly enough, we almost joked about not being able to catch in the beginning. It is decimating our communities, and we need to talk about it. So, Griggs, hearing that information, brother, what are your first thoughts on
0: that, man? Man, my first thoughts are we really have to get real about this disease. Uh, A lot of our people took it for a joke, and that's because of a lot of our influencers on these platforms were reckless. Um, But now that it's hitting our community at a vastly disproportionate rate, I think that people are starting to recognize the need to to coalesce around the facts, to coalesce around the experts, and to coalesce around the truth. And I think it's it's just telling that our community is now seeing in real time the dangers of believing uh, conspiracy theories from the internet.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, that's so true.
2: All right, brother, did any of that data surprise you, man?
1: No, man. It, it seems like every you know situation. African Americans are always in positions where we're saving the day, right? And and this just seems like you know we got we got folks in the healthcare industry, we got folks that that are delivering packages for UPS, FedEx, you know, all these big multinational corporations that are making a substantial amount of profit off of African Americans and what they're doing and putting their that are considered essential, but putting their lives at stake for things that to me aren't as essential as, as the world may, may, may deem it to be. So when I look at the numbers, man, I'm, I'm absolutely terrified, man, and and horrified that we're still in situations where, um, we're, we're put into harm's way as if we're not aware of what's happening to us as people. So it, it, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not shocked, but I'm um um heartbroken that we're we're still in situations like this, and and it's not going to get any better in, unless we we make some type of a different action.
2: Right, right, right. Completely with you. So let's um let's kind of set the scene a little bit right now. So today <laughs> is four twenty two. Normally, I don't shout out the date, but it's um it's important in, in this situation. So it's four twenty two. We've been quarantined for several weeks at this point. Trump began to roll out this opening of America plan. And in states like Georgia, where the three, the four of us are right now, including our wonderful sound guy Waheed, um, Georgia's opening. As of 422, the plan is on 424, open bars and gyms and other facilities like that. And then turn around I think, on 426 or 27 and begin to open up restaurants and things like that. So. Beginning to set that stage, the first question I want to ask you, Greg, is, bro, what in the world is going on that's leading Governor Kemp to make these type of calls?
0: I think that Governor Kemp is listening to the lobbyists who are complaining that they're losing uh, millions of dollars with Georgia's uh, economy being closed. And I think he's ignoring his uh, public health experts. He's ignoring the citizens. And I think he's really learning in real time. This is what happens when you steal an election and you're not prepared to lead. Um, So unfortunately for the state of Georgia, we are learning the importance of civics in real time and what uh, ineffective leadership looks like.
2: Yeah, yeah. So if we we take- Completely agree with that. Yeah, if we take what's happening in Georgia and expand it nationwide, understanding that, There are other states who are being a bit more conservative and not opening. And there are other states who are being almost as aggressive as we are and looking to open right now, like, for instance, South Carolina. South Carolina and Texas. So if you had to advise everyone listening right now of their ability, rights, next steps, whatever the case may be, to fight against what's happening, what would you tell them to do? How can we push our voices out there and try our best to right what we see as wrong?
0: I think that we're in a a special time in history when the voice of the people can be heard loud and clear. And I would tell the heads of households to look real hard uh, at your children, look real hard at your elderly loved ones and say, this is where we draw a line in the sand. Uh, This is our Pearl Harbor moment. This is our September 11th moment. This is our time to stand up and tell our government that we run you. You don't run us. And for Brian Kemp in Georgia and for the governor in South Carolina and for the governor in Texas, you know there are large African-American and minority populations in those states, so much so that we can flip those states. And I think in 2020, in November, it's time to send a strong message that people are more important than profit. So what I would tell them is to stay home, shelter in place, love on one another. Make sure you provide for your um, economic resources by pooling your resources together as a community, and make sure we march to the polls in November and get forty-five out of office and set the stage for removing these governors. Yeah, amen, so brother.
2: I I want to play devil's advocate for a moment. What do you have to say to that person who's sitting at home, albeit they want? to help stop what's happening. But they feel deeply inside that I'm simply one voice. I can't make a difference. No one's listening to me anyway. What can that
0: person do? I would say to that person, remember the course of history has always been changed by one person, Um, whether that's Dr. King or whether that's Jesus or whatever uh, prophet you believe in. It's always the voice of one crying in the wilderness uh, for justice that changes the course of history. So you're not powerless. One person can change the world. And we now have these platforms where you can speak truth to power. You know, nobody knew who Greta Thornburg was until she picked up a Canon camera and started recording herself speaking truth to power. And now she is a climate change activist. No one knew the children in Parkland until they decided to speak out after the, the mass shootings. No one knew the Black Lives Matter advocates and, and activists until they decided in Ferguson, And Baltimore, that they'd had enough. Uh, So, you know, just like in the civil rights movement, we didn't know who John Lewis was. We didn't know who Dr. King was. We didn't know who C.T. Vivian and Joseph Lowry was until they decided that, like Fannie Lou Hamer said, they were sick and tired of being sick and tired. And right now, we're sick and tired of black folks being put on the front lines to die for somebody else's economy. So it's time for us to stand up and speak truth to power and say, not one more black black life is going to be sacrificed. Mm. when we are not valued the way we should be.
2: I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. All right. So you speak out a lot about a lot of things that, that matters. But right now, specifically, uh, what's happening with COVID-19. Uh, you speak out for Black people on a daily basis. We're connected on social media. So I see it directly. You have a platform right now that, that speaks openly to thousands at a time. Given you that platform for a moment, what's the primary message you want everyone within earshot to hear and understand?
0: The primary message right now is to shelter in place, to make sure you take care of the most beloved resources you have, and that's the lives of the people around you. My message is to believe the healthcare professionals that are telling you this is a global pandemic. My message is to push back against anyone, and I mean anyone, who tells you that this was a hoax, that tells you not to believe what your eyes are showing you, and to not believe the professionals who've been trained and practicing in this for decades. And my last message is to call out any cancers in our community that are still pushing conspiracy theories. That means 5G. That means immunity. That means home remedies that will kill you because it's time for us to take back these platforms and to be educated by the real leaders and not just the talking heads on social media. Because I will put my record up against anybody. I am with the people. I am for the people. And I am always on the front lines for my people. So I'm not going to lead you wrong. The only reason I have this platform is because I want to speak truth to power And protect our people. Because Dr. King's not coming back. Malcolm's not coming back. Marcus is not coming back. But the reason why they were able to move thousands is because they spoke directly to the needs of the people. And it's time for a new generation to do the exact same thing. Because just like our ancestors survived, we have to survive in this moment. And we have to make sure that our children and our grandchildren knew what we did in this moment.
1: Hey there.
2: Yes. I love that. I love that. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go back to devil's advocate again, because I I think, I think it's needed to hear the questions that so many people are thinking asked out loud so they can digest it and then hear the response from an educated point of view on what the reality is there. So what about to the brothers and sisters who are, who are saying, you know what, I'm just simply tired of being in the house. I, It can't be worse for me to go outside and enjoy a little bit of life. What do you got to tell them?
0: 836 individuals are in a pine box right now. There are well over 42,000 Americans that have died. That's more than September 11th. That's more than a lot of the situations that we have seen in our lifetime. And as the rates go up, I want you to remember something. There were only 600,000 that died in the Civil War. There are currently 800,000 Americans infected. So if the rates continue to go up, you can join that group. You can go outside and have a good time, play around and see what happens when you get measured for a pine box and you're six feet under. It's time Mm -hmm. to use our brain and make sure that we protect ourselves so we get to get old. Because my father always said that everybody can be young, but only the wise live to get old. You pick this day, which one you're going to be.
2: I like that. I like <laughs> that. Everybody can be young, but only the wise get to be old. And there's a whole lot of people out there right now that I will qualify as unwise.
1: Yes, especially in this in this situation that we're we in, right? I, I like the fact that you brought up something that... that I'm a technologist, so I I, I tend to, to hear a lot of a crazy conspiracy theories. And the, the 5G, 5G one is, is absolutely incorrect, wrong. And, and you got to think about this. We got people hey, Art, talking about... Art, can,
2: you, can you add context to that real quick for the, for the listeners who may have only caught 5G or a piece or have seen it? Can you add a little bit more
1: about oh, what the conspiracy is? Absolutely. So so people think that... Um, so you got cell phone networks and you got networks that produce and pass data. And the, the, the current network that the U.S. is on and that the world is on is really called the fourth generation network. And the upgrade path the next phase of faster speeds, more connectivity, um, greater bandwidth across networks is 5G. And this, this is just a wireless network protocol. Now, what the conspiracy theory is that this wireless, this 5G wireless network that is being installed across the globe and in these certain areas is that the radiation is penetrating people's bodies and is creating this coronavirus and these symptoms that are killing people. It's absolutely not true. Like, if you Lord. if you have any sense of science or any sense of of wanting to do some research and understanding what five G is, you would know that this this is not anywhere near associated to creating a a flu like coronavirus pandemic. It has nothing to do with it at all. There's no correlation at all to it. I'm not even sure where the conspiracy theory came from. But I've seen a lot of African-Americans propagating a crazy conspiracy theory that has unfortunately taken hold in some people who believe that that is true. But but let me tell you, it is absolutely not true. And it's not substantiated with any type of data or evidence that would would prove it to be true. So like Brother Greg said, do not listen to, to things that are not coming from experts. Or, or people that are in the field that are looking at the data. So, so that's just a little bit of context. But um, I just want to applaud you for bringing that up, Brother Grizz, because I got a lot of folks in, in my timeline that had brought that up or brought that to me too to say, "Hey, man, this 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 is real. This is what's going on, and it's it's truly not that that is really not it."
2: Man, I can tell you exactly where that conspiracy came from. So, you know, I've, I've been in marketing for for many years, and I see right through the propaganda. Um, they're not fooling me. That's the Yellow Pages. They started that whole thing. What they're trying to do is they're trying to beat back Google into a place where people are no longer using cell phones. They're trying to revitalize the, 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 the let your fingers do the walking campaign. You remember the phone books? You remember old school phone books? Yeah. That's what they're trying to bring back. I'm pretty sure it's the Yellow Pages, man. If I had to, if I had to <laughs> bet, I would say that. That's probably what or, that
0: is. Or Russia or China. But, but here's the thing that, <laughs> right. that I would just push our listeners to do. You know, the the World Health Organization issued a a, a declaration on 5G, and I know a lot of people don't want to believe the World Health Organization, but you got to listen to the experts. And here's the one that got me, that made me really focus. The amount of radiation that comes from 5G is the exact same amount as your microwave. And so if you're not throwing your microwave outside and putting on 10 hats because of the microwave, don't do the same thing with 5G. The only city in Georgia... That currently has a 5G network, is Atlanta. So my question is why is Albany being hit at the same rate as Atlanta if this was 5G? That's a great,
2: great point. So
1: true.
0: That's a great,
2: great point. Griggs, you you brought up uh, who? The World Health Organization. And I want to ask a question. Um, Hopefully you can provide some context here for myself, and for the listeners, uh, recent news last week or so, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Trump cutting funding to the, to the WHO.
1: Mm-hmm. What,
0: what does that really mean? Uh, that means, and people who know about the WHO, they are the clearinghouse for all um, information regarding to world health and pandemics and, and disease around the world. And so Donald Trump did not like this global pandemic and them making him aware. So he's going to cut funding, which means that they will not be able to do on an international level the amount of work they are they have been doing. So it'd be sort of like if America decided to pull out of the United Nations or stop helping fund the United Nations, um, they won't be able to do that important work. Uh, so Donald Trump tends to lash out at anybody that calls him out for not knowing half the stuff that he does not know. Uh, so he's going to cut their funding. There has been some pushback on that. Uh, at the federal level, but it seems as though it will go through. And if it does go through, it's going to continue to leave a vacuum of leadership uh, that yeah. used to be the, the United States, which will now go to another country, probably China or Russia. Right. Uh, but right. that's just how he works. He thinks he's, he's a nationalistic president. And this only, only things that apply are the things that apply directly to the United States.
2: So here's another question. And, and we can use Georgia as the proxy for the rest of the country when it comes to this. Uh, Understanding that Brian Kemp is looking to open up Georgia to enter the entire state ASAP, it's pretty obvious that our Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms feels very differently about that. What's the power struggle between a mayor in any specific city and governor when it comes down to a difference of opinion and how these things open up?
0: And that's a great question. And I think that people really need to understand we're in a civics lesson from the sixth grade. So you have the federal government. And then you have the state government and you have local government. So each level is divided into three branches. And so the executive of of each branch would be the president, the governor, and the mayor. The mayor is in charge of the local municipality and she controls the execution of the law at that locality. The governor controls the execution of the law for the state, and the president controls the execution of the law. For the federal government. So the separation of powers from the state level to the local level is about funding. And so the state funds a lot of the local um, governments through state funding, just like the federal government funds a lot of the states. So the power that the state governor has over the mayor would be to cut funding. But in these type of situations, the mayors typically are the head of the law enforcement branch, meaning the police or the county uh, commissioner is the head of the county uh, arm of the police. So at this point, the governor really does not have the power to enforce law enforcement to cover his orders. So if the mayor decided to not implement the governor's mandate, he really has no power to implement it because the judiciary branch in Georgia is currently Operating on an emergency basis only, which means you can't sue. You can't enforce the law by suing. And so let's just say Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms decided that she was going to implement an executive order continuing to close the city of Atlanta. My argument would be that the governor couldn't do anything until May the 13th when the judicial emergency would be over.
2: So legally, he can say we're open, but he has no means to enforce that.
0: No, because the county health departments are the ones that close down businesses and the local Ah, police
1: are the ones that enforce it.
2: Gotcha.
1: So the mayors have a great deal of power and authority right now. The mayors and the county,
0: the chairmen of the county commission or the CEOs. And so that's why you're seeing localities push back in real time. And so that's why it's kind of interesting to hear Donald Trump talk about he's really for states' rights and the governor to kind of really say he's about having all the power when everybody's always said, well, we want local control. Well, if we allow local control to happen, it's the mayors and the county commissioners that are going to make the decision in, in when Georgia or any other state opens back up.
2: From using your example, if you were both sitting in the governor's chair and the mayor's chair, what would your steps right now be? What, what do you think is the right way to move?
0: If I was the governor right now, I would shelter in place until at least June the 1st. Um, I would give guidance on the unemployment, uh, the Labor Department to grant unemployment to the individuals that are hurting right now. Uh, And I would implement um, mandatory testing for every county for at least 50% of the citizenry. Because we have to get control over this virus. And Georgia's only currently tested about 88,000 people, almost 90,000 people in a state, that's 10.5 million people. Wow. Uh, So if I was the governor, I would be very conservative and I would shut it down to at least June the 1st and then reevaluate at that point. If I was the mayor of the city of Atlanta and I sat on the coronavirus task force and I knew this was coming down the pipe, I would issue an executive order shutting down the city of Atlanta and I would tell the governor to take me to court.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. So the the next question that I want to ask, as we as we begin to near the end, is you hear um you hear the conversation about being, being based on this whole notion of flattening the curve. Associated with that has always been this duration of fourteen days, right? According to the data that I was today, I don't even know if it's accurate. It was just inside the AJC, the Atlanta Journal Constitution. For those listening, is that Georgia hit its peak sometime last week? But inside of hitting that peak, we absolutely have not hit the 14-day period. We are continuing to to descend in the number of cases. As a matter of fact, post-peak, it dropped, and then for the last three days, it has increased. If you had to assume, what in the world are the powers that be looking at to decide that it is okay to open
0: state as it is? I can tell you exactly what they're looking at, and your listeners can go look at it for themselves. They're looking at the graphs and the charts and the data from the Department of Public Health's website, which is dph.georgia.gov. And I would push back on the governor through his article in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We have not hit our peak. We're still going up the curve. And we will not hit the peak until probably um, April the 27th or so, uh, maybe closer to May the 1st. Uh, So a simple review of the statistics and the data shows that somebody's being less than truthful with us.
2: That makes sense to me. When you, Because when you look at the chart, you can see a high point and then a, and then a steep drop. But the last three days, we're back almost up to that high point as of either yesterday or today. So my assumption mirrors yours is that that trend tells me that there are more cases coming. And that's also considering the fact that we're not testing with any real large percentages in order to get a true read on what our numbers truly look like. So,
0: mm. And I mean, here's one of the other issues. Every single day uh, since February, we've seen a rise in a number of hospitalizations. The numbers actually just came out a few minutes ago. And so now is at 21,102 cases of coronavirus, 4,018 hospitalizations, and 846 deaths. So my question wow. to the governor would be, mm-hmm. where is the flattening occurring? Where's the peak? Because we continue to go up and we continue to average 42 deaths a day.
1: And the proportion of African-Americans in that number is is staggering
0: too. 50% of the deaths are African-American and 40% of the cases are African-American. So my question in a state where we're only 33%, how is it that we're hitting at those levels?
2: Wow. I guess it ties right back to the the stuff we talked about during the dope quote. Just um, that's horrible. That
1: is absolutely horrible. Yeah, our exposure rate. And, and you know what? One of the things that really concerns me too is, is one, the level of testing. And, the, and then two, so I have a, a, a lot of friends in the beauty industry, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they were so excited to get to go back to work on Friday. And I get it, right? Like people are making decisions based on, you know, their ability to feed their families and their ability to stay healthy. It's such a false, like, like it's such a, like, for them, I can only imagine the difficulty of the decision that they have to make, right? And if they're running out of money and if they're running out of, of, of food, you know, things like that, that could be a hell of a lot of concern. So, Brother Gris, what do you think about that? Like, what would you tell people that's in a situation where they, they, you know, they, their industry is completely shut down and they're running out of funds, I, I would tell them, I, I fully
0: feel where, where you're coming from, and that, that's a difficult decision to make. But when you look at the guidelines uh, for the Centers for Disease Control, uh, the, you know, the 14 days of a steady daily uh, descent, um, you would understand that we are not past the danger. And that's like going outside in the eye of the hurricane. Yes, it looks peaceful. It's pleasant. The sun is out. But that wall is coming. And the rain is worse on the backside than it was on the front side. And so what we have to understand is we have to hold our elected officials accountable. They have resources that they can release for unemployment and for bailouts they've given to big corporations that they should be given to small businesses and to the people. So we have to demand those resources that we've been putting in for all these years that they're not giving us so that you can safely shelter in place. So I think the onus yeah. should be on our elected officials to give to us the way they're given to these big corporations. And, and yeah. so, and I would continue to point out, and this is the argument that many of the supporters of the, the governor is going to make, that the daily averages potentially are going down, um, but the daily average averages are not going down. What's actually happening is they're not testing enough people, they're turning people away. They're turning people away from uh, the the emergency rooms and they're turning people away from getting the test so it can flatten. But the cumulative daily averages are still rising. So don't let them play with the numbers. Don't let them fool you. And don't let them put you and your family in danger because the Cosmetology, cosmetology board released the guidelines for the beauticians and the barbers to go back. You have to wear the same level of equipment that people are wearing in the ER. You can't afford that. You can't afford to get sick,
1: right?
0: And so you have to watch the fine print and watch for the banana in the tailpipe.
2: Wow, I did not (laughs) realize that that was the recommendation. That that's insane. Uh, Listen, you brought up one point that I think is is incredibly important. Uh, You talked about the resources that are at the disposal of our local, state, federal leadership that can help us sustain ourselves through these times, but we also know. That they can play these games where if you don't ask for the right thing the right way, it gives them the opportunity to pretend they don't know what it is that you're talking about, right? Therefore, you do not get what it is that you need. What do you recommend for people listening? What resources, what locations, what places can they go to become better informed and equipped with what it is they should be looking for, asking for, expecting in terms of resources and help to survive?
0: Definitely, I think that they should go to their local government, uh, both on the state level and the local level, and, and talk about what are you guys doing with the emergency funding that you give uh, during disaster, because when the federal government uh, declares a disaster a federal disaster, there's certain aid that comes to federal uh, that comes to state and local governments. What are we doing with that aid? They should ask about that federal aid that's released when you have the federal uh, declaration of emergency. And then when you have a state declaration of emergency, they have a pot of of funds that they can tap into. That fund needs to go to the people that are affected by uh, the disaster. Further, there are organizations like the Red Cross uh, that come in uh, during uh, disasters. They have relief funds. And of course, then you have unemployment uh, and the, the, the Labor Department has guidance on that. So I would say go to the Labor Department and start talking about that there was actually additional um, unemployment that came through the CARE Act, the Federal CARE Act, which is the Coronavirus Relief Act, uh, that adds on top of that. So we need to know where this money is going, and we need to tap into those resources. That's just a few, uh, few things that I, I could think of off the top of my head.
2: Yeah, that's, I think that's great information. Very, very needed, too. Um, Art, brother, do you have any other questions that you want to get asked before we begin to close this thing out?
1: I just want to urge every all of our listeners to really take this seriously. Uh, one more question, though, is as we kind of think about the levels of of severity that this this thing is going to have, um, the CDC is now projecting that you know it's going to be a second wave during the flu season. Do you think that that you know African Americans will like? Do you think we have a better chance of getting? the message now so that we don't have such a large impact in the future? And that's, that's, a, that's a great question.
0: I think that because of our experience with it now, I think more people are going to take it serious when the second wave comes. And we have to be students of history. The Spanish flu uh, is, is, can give us some education of what this may look like. And the Spanish flu came in three waves. And the second wave was far worse than the first wave. Uh, So we need to understand that this is affecting our community disproportionately, and we have to prepare. The first thing I would advise people to do is to start to silence the individuals in our community that are on these platforms that are pushing out misinformation. I don't want to have to call anybody out, but if it continues, I will. Because this is dangerous. When I get calls from families and, and people that I know that are either infected or have had a loved one die, and then I go on social media and I see somebody saying this is a hoax and that only white people can get it, and they have large platforms, that's very dangerous because let's just be real, social media is the news for black people. And so we have to be very conscious of our platforms. You may not agree with what everybody says, but you don't have to pump out misinformation. And so I think that Now that we are all going through this at the same time and we can see it for ourselves and we have, uh, you know, family members and friends that are being affected. I think in the second wave, you won't see as much of that garbage about 5G and about immunity and about this is about, you know, uh, white people going to China or something else. This is about what's going to happen in our community, because when America gets a cold, black people get the flu and die. So we need to focus our attention on our professionals. And I know there's a group of our community that does not believe in the professionals. Well, my question Mm -hmm. is, do you believe in your cousin or your sister or your brother or your brother-in-law who are doctors who are also African-American, who know how to guide you the best way? Do you not believe in Meharry School of Medicine or Morehouse School of Medicine, where they're turning out black doctors at the highest rates in the country? And they're telling you the same thing, or are you going to believe some dude who's been yelling on Instagram? And the only reason he has a platform is because he pushes conspiracy theories.
2: Well, Griggs, man, that's that's all I've got, man. I don't have any other questions. Art, what about you, brother?
1: Bro, I think that I think you, you you hit a home run with this one, Griggs.
2: We always turn the mic over to our guests, uh, open up the platform, and let you say whatever it is that's on your heart to say. So. The floor is yours, brother. Anything you want to get off your chest, anything you want to make sure people walk away with, any points you want to make, the floor
0: is yours. Well, brothers, I, I appreciate you for having me on the platform. I, I've watched how, how it's grown exponentially, and I'm so proud of you guys dealing with these issues because we need, we need a voice uh, for our community, uh, and digitally you guys are, are that voice. Uh, so I just appreciate you. I would thank um, your audience for listening to me Um, And if they want more of what I have to offer, please check me out on all social platforms at Attorney Griggs, because I'm on all these platforms with the exception of Twitter. Hopefully, I'll get my Twitter back at some point. Um, And you can also check me out on the Justice Fighter podcast, where I will get real with you about politics, uh, um, about the law, and about social justice, because we have to speak truth to power in real time, and we have to have access to the platform to get the message out to our people. So again, Wild Black, y'all the truth. Thank you for having me on the platform, and I look forward to coming back. Amen, amen,
2: amen, amen. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Wild Black listeners, I'll add one more thing. Earlier, we talked about your ability as an individual to change the world. And I, just like Griggs and Art, do believe that individuals can change the world. But just in case you don't, always remember that to someone, you are their world. And you have the ability to impact, influence, change, and make better that individual's world at the least. And if enough of us change each person's individual world, the entire world has to change right along with us. So remember, there are multiple ways to skin a cat. There are multiple ways to influence your people and your world. And you do have the power to make a difference. With that, wow Black, we out.
0: Peace.